Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, I went to see the Eagles game at my uh, my high school buddy, Rich Wood's house last night in Santa Monica. And it's weird how you change because, you know, back in the day, if we hung out in high school, we'd, we'd be drinking, you know. But I had to drive. Me and Joanne drove down to Santa Monica, and I'm not going to drink and drive. And I actually, I was bad because I ate a ton. And you know me, I have to watch my sodium. But he went to a place called Bay City. It's an Italian deli. If you've never been there, it's in Santa Monica. And I'm going to tell you something. He the, the the cold cuts or lunch meat whatever you want to call them he got were so good I mean it was unbelievable it was just the, the mortadella the the gabagool the prosciutto it was amazing and I swear when I was driving home it, it was so bad because I don't t- eat a lot of sodium I could feel my feet swelling and as soon as I got home I just fell asleep on the couch Joanne put Castle on and I'm sitting there and like a ten of she goes I'm going upstairs and I said oh I'll be up in a second I'm watching it I was asleep anyway enough about that I, I love that's why I, I'm glad I don't eat that food anymore because it's so good but it's so bad for you but enough about that I have a great guest uh, very good actor it's funny I hit him up after I saw him on Stalker and the weird thing is two weeks ago his buddy Lewis Hertham was on my show because I saw them both in Stalker and I hit them both up that night. And my guest is Alex Fernandez. How you doing, Alex? Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's funny because I was watching Stalker and I'm sitting there and you both look familiar. And that's how I do it. If I see it. We're those old dogs that like you just see everywhere and you don't know where you know us from. Yeah, but. but when you go to like IMDb, you guys all have like 90, 90 credits and up. And then my girlfriend Joanne watches a lot of TV and, and you travel down and you go, okay, you know, you sit there and you look at, at you have a great resume. It's like, you, and all these shows that we're familiar with and it must be awesome. But I saw you and I even saw like you said, hey, I'm about, I'm, I might get killed or something. You put that on your, uh, tw- I think Twitter or Facebook, one of them. Yeah. Like I'm a stalker all of a sudden. But uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's good you're here. So now we were talking, you, you were born in Miami. Right. Okay. Now I always ask actors, you know, How'd you get into this business? Was your family creative, or was I mean, what was your upbringing like? No, nobody in my family were actors or creative. I uh, uh, I don't know how exactly the moment happened, but at some point I discovered that this was something that would draw a lot of attention to me. <laughs> so I I started pursuing it, and I started in high school doing plays. And uh, the first time I did a play, it was it it was like a I feel really lucky that I discovered this like at age fifteen. You know, I've been following this my whole life, and uh, that first play I did, I just wanted to sleep on the stage. Really? <laughs> you know, it was so wonderful. So I've been at it all ever since. Now, who were some of the people when you were younger that you watched? Did you see anyone on screen that you said, God, that guy's great? I mean, you know, like any of us see an actor or, you know, even, I mean, even for me, I mean, I'm, I'm 51. Even seeing like Sean Penn in, in Fast Times at Bridgemont High and in the movie Bad Boys, you're like, wow. You know, it's like, yeah. it just, for me, it throws you off guard. Oh, yeah. Sean, it's funny you say Sean Penn in Bad Boys because I went to see that in the theater, you know, like six or seven times back in the day when you go to the theater you just sit in the theater and they didn't kick you out between right. screenings you could just watch the movie over and over again uh bad boys was one like that but i was really into like british actors when i was a kid for some reason i was into like a Laurence olivier and uh, uh richard burton and all that it was later on when i went into acting school that i got kind of obsessed with marlon brando and robert de niro and al pacino and uh, uh started to try to you know, match what they were doing, trying to follow the, the routes that they did, so to see if I could find a way to, to do the kind of work they did. And so now, where did you go to acting school at? I went to acting school at American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. Okay, so now you're in Florida, uh-huh. and you're in my now. You go to high school in Miami, right? Okay, so now at this point, do you sit there and go, "Hey, hey, I'm leaving. I'm going to Cal." I mean, how did you end up just coming across the country? Because I mean, that's it's not like you came to L.A. You went to San Francisco. I mean, it's a, and for a young guy, I mean, for me, I went to college an hour from my house and I lived there. Yeah, but that was a big step. But to leave, I mean, what, how did that happen? We I went to community college in Miami, and there was a teacher there who I respected a lot, who knew a lot about the school, ACT, American Conservatory Theater, and I really started researching and I got into it, and I decided that was the place I wanted to be. And uh, I got married, like, uh, in two years out of high school, like around around uh, junior college. And I went to study in London for a summer, and my wife went to San Francisco and got us an apartment. 
and then right after we you know, right after we got married, we packed up our car and we just drove out there. So I, I went to San. I never even been to San Francisco when I moved there. Well, you must have had. Some- I was just so obsessed with wanting to go to that school that I said, "I'm just going to move to this city and see if it works." See, that's cool. But you must have had some talent to get to go over to study in London. I mean, you have to sit there. There had to be a sign of confidence where you know you went to London and then you could go to San Francisco. Yeah, I knew that. I, I knew that this was what I was going to do, and I'd gotten a lot of good positive reinforcement from teachers and from people who had come to see me and stuff and so I knew this was something I was going to pursue I auditioned for that school and I didn't get in but I was I was determined so we just moved there and I auditioned again didn't get in again and then uh, this other guy this other actor decided not to go to school there he dropped out of his slot I was on the alternate list and so when he decided not to go to school they called me up so that must have been great though it must have been a uh, sort of a fulfilling moment at a young age to sit there and get into this school. So, so were you pumped? I mean, were you ready? I mean, did you sit there and I'm going to hit every, cause you got in because someone quit. So you, did yeah. you really want to prove yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And I was working, I was working in the stock room at Macy's in San Francisco okay. stacking boxes. So when they called, I was like, thank God, no more boxes. I'm going to go to school for a while. How long of a program was it? Two years. Okay. So you do that, you go. And now are you, as you're going to school, are you, also getting out to try to audition for stage plays or are you just doing everything in school? Not in school, yeah. We, it was like an eight to ten hours a day, five days a week for two years. It was pretty much pretty all-consuming. And But the idea was that you would, at the end of the thing, maybe get into the company, the big theater. At that time, I just wanted to be like a theater gypsy. I just wanted to work in theaters around the country, and I was really, really wanted to work at uh, ACT. And when the two years were over, you're supposed to... A, a, a few of the students are pulled from the two-year class and put into the company, and I wasn't one of them. And uh, that like that like destroyed me for a couple of years. But uh, uh, I bounced back, thankfully. So what did you do? You sat there. Did you keep working at Macy's after the two years of school? I mean, what? I mean, and I know how it is. Like anything, you know, because we're fragile anyway. If you don't get into that, then you sit there. It's like, okay, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna make it such a competition. Then you don't get in, and then you feel like crap about yourself. Oh, exactly. Because it was it. It made. I, I was one of the top students in the class, so I assumed that I was going to be one of the guys. But then when they ask people into the company, it all has to do with casting, and I guess I didn't fit some of the casting for the season, so they didn't invite me in. And that's all that I was about. I mean, I was just all about ACT. And when they didn't invite me, it just really, that was the first big rejection I'd ever felt. Because up until then, things had gone fairly smoothly. And uh, I was working as a pedicab driver in Fisherman's Wharf. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> and like those people got a lot heavier after after I didn't get into school. And I, yeah, plus, and probably they didn't tip that well. I'm the, I mean, because right. I mean, I was just, I was, me and my girlfriend went up to San Francisco a few uh, months ago. My first time there. Uh-huh. I've lived out in LA for 14 years. I've never been there. And uh, it's just so touristy. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you sit there and you're looking around and you're going, oh my God, it's like everywhere you go. And, you know, being in the service industry, which, you know, pedicab, you are, I mean, I'm sure a lot of times you drove someone and you drove them and they were a fat ass from wherever. And all of a sudden you're sitting there going, hey, give me a little tip. And they don't think the tip because they don't think, they don't think you're a cab driver. They think, oh, you know, $10 pays it all. That's right. And we and we did this run that was from Fisherman's Wharf to Chinatown. It was three miles slightly oh, uphill, and man. sometimes I, and you know you try to pack as many people in your pedicab as you can to make as much money. So I'd be riding like three people in the back of my pedicab, just pumping away. And whenever I got tired, I would just pull over and just like make up some shit about about what, the history of that building, you know. Uh, but yeah, and there's a lot of people from uh, like other countries, and it's not at least then it was not accustomed to tip right. like Europe and oh, stuff. Yeah. So they wouldn't think to it, and and uh, you'd end up you'd end up. Not, I, I I was not good at it. I did not make a lot of money. I was in the hawker like some of these guys out there. Well, how how did you sit there and keep you know your belief in the stream because you just went through this um, rejection, yeah. and and you're sitting there and you're riding a pedicab and it's like anything you must be frustrated because you're an actor i mean you're yeah. you're a tra- you're not just a guy who goes hey i'm an actor you're a trained actor you trained to a top school so you're at this point so what do you do my wife at the time got into school in southern california okay so we decided to move down there and just as we moved down there i got a call from act inviting me to be in a production there so i went back and uh, so that kind of closed the, the 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 circle it kind of finished the story i just did this production of Cyrano de bergerac and i was um i was happy with that and then went back to la and i i again didn't know what i was going to do i hadn't didn't have any plans to go after like television or film work but because i was down down here uh i just got an agent and started doing stuff and before you know it i've been here 20 something years did you get an agent easily 
Because you, because you had the first of all, you probably had some contacts from your school. I mean, did, yeah. did that help you get an agent? Back in the day, it wasn't as hard as it is now. Like back then, you could send out your picture to agents, and uh, you know, you send out 10, 15 pictures, and you get a couple of calls. It's funny you say that because I, I mean, I dabble at times. I have an agent and stuff like that, but I got out of the business completely for a long time. But that was I was waiting tables at Planet Hollywood probably <laughs> 15, 16 years ago, and my friends were all bitching about not getting agents. And I just same thing. I sent out like ten, and I had a, a generic headshot, and you know, and I had a little bit more hair than, but I'm legally blind of an eye. I have, I have a different look. Yeah. And then I and they're like, yeah, and I go, hey man, uh, I, I have a meeting with an agent. What do I what do I do? And they go, well, you have something to audition. And I'm like, no, I, I don't. I'm not an actor. I just, you know, but <laughs> so you got an agent. So now, did you start? Did was it theatrical and commercial? Yeah, well, the agent was actually in in uh, Orange County because okay. I was actually living in Orange County where my wife was work was going to school. So I was auditioning for commercials and industrial films for like Carl's Jr. and the U.S. Navy and uh, doing student films. And it wasn't something that was like expanding the career necessarily, but I learned a lot. You know, I learned a lot about being on camera and without any risk, you know, because no one was ever going to see it. Right. Now, that must have been different. I, for me, I think it would be easy. And once you get used to it, it's probably easier because you're a trained theater. I mean, but when you have, when you have to sit there and remember your lines of being in a play for two hours instead of going in and saying, hey, act like you just ate a cheeseburger, <laughs> yeah. it must have been second nature. Yeah. yeah but, but, you know, there's a whole other series of things that you don't consider. Uh, when you're trained as a stage actor, all the things that have to do with working on camera, the way, the way your voice is used, the way you're, uh, you know, have to hit marks and uh, understand what the cameras are doing. It took a long time for me to understand all of that. So, um, you know, nothing really ever came like really easy for me. Everything was like step by step and I'd take two steps and one back. And uh, it's still like that. I still, you know, keep, I work and I, I'm fortunate to work as much as I do, but you know, it's, I haven't gotten that one thing that's uh, that's just sort of like bro blown it all apart, and then you never have to audition again. Right. Or, you know. Now, now in the beginning, I saw you, and you still do. You did did a lot of. It says some of your first gigs, but it looked like they were voice work. Yeah. Now, how did did your agent transition you into that, or how did that work? Or did you just someone said, "Hey, man, Alex, you got a great voice. Why don't you do this?" How'd that happen? Once again, it was through ACT. There's this teacher of mine who got into uh, of. Uh, directing voice uh work, doing voice uh, direction for uh, anim japanese anime okay and he called me and i ended up doing like 10 or 15 of them and then out of that i got i, I ended up having a whole 10-year career of voiceover without ever having a voiceover agent because all this work was just coming my way and then it wasn't until later on i thought hey this is kind of i'm uh, this is actually kind of a career <laughs> i should i should try to get after it a little more and so so yeah, you're getting as you see a lot of your own TV shows like Spawn and you're, I mean you got that was you were getting voice work before you're getting on camera work. Oh yeah, for a lot of years that was my entire all everything I made money as an actor was on voice. Yeah. Now did you ever think of just saying okay I'm going to just concentrate on the voice work and maybe do some theater or did you sit there and still want to be on film? That's funny because I know a lot of guys who just did that. They decided all the voice is working. I'm just going to focus on that. But there's an interesting thing about doing that voice work. If you focus on that, that's kind of what you do. And you can't really pursue the on-camera stuff as much. I know a lot of guys, they're in these things called loop groups where uh, they get hired to just do background sounds for TV shows or movies. And it's a steady gig and they're making SAG money every day, 300 days a year. But that's it. That's their job. And I always had a dream to, to do something a little more, whether it was theater or uh, uh, film. And so I, I always thought of voice as sort of a periphery thing, you know. And I was lucky enough to work on it a lot. But if I had dedicated myself more, I think I probably would have, it, that would have been all I was about. And so I'm kind of glad I didn't do that. When did you get your first breakthrough? Well, not your breakthrough, your transition, shall we say, to being on screen where you sat there and said, okay, I don't have to concentrate on the voice as much anymore. And then, and, I mean, what was there a certain role that you sat there? I mean, you were still going out and auditioning when you're doing the voices. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I did, I was doing a lot of uh, video games and stuff and I was getting like, I'd get a line on this show and a line on that show and a couple of things on that show. But it wasn't until like 2004 where I booked an episode of, uh, uh, without a trace. Okay. And through that, I met uh, my agent, who's my agent now, and everything kind of changed after that. That's that's suddenly that was like kind of a mini breakthrough for me, where suddenly I was I got a great role on a show that that people in the industry watched, and so people knew who I was. And uh, I never saw that show. My girlfriend used to watch it; she loved it. Yeah. But it's funny, and you just I, I'm sure you don't read your Wikipedia because 
whenever it I says, haven't been to it. I don't even know there was. Yeah, well, it's it, this article has multiple issues, you know, and I always talk to people because they have to figure out that people just make them up. But in your Wikipedia, because that's when you, it's funny when you said without a trace, it says in the beginning, it says known for primary work on television, most notably as security advisor, Anthony Prado and commander in chief and Rafael, Rafael Alvarez and without a trace. So when you read that, you think well, this guy must have been a recurring, but you know, so you did this, but that was your first big episodic right right i've done a, i've done a bunch before that but they were just you know uh, small scenes this small, was a guest star this was a, a guest my actually it was my first guest star in terms of billing and uh it was a great part and uh, i played the brother of one of the regulars and uh it was a whole cuban storyline i'm cuban from miami and um it really changed things in terms of casting directors knowing who i am and knowing what i'm capable of you know and another funny thing is that it took that long because you were talking about like having more hair and stuff. Because I, I, ever since I was young, even when, when I was like 23 when I got to LA, uh, I was never right for anything. When I got here, it was all about Beverly Hills 90210 and, uh, and uh, they, you know, young, young people. And even though I was young, I never seemed young. <laughs> I, always, I always played like, you know, authority figures. Okay. So it wasn't until I got older and I lost my hair and stuff that suddenly I was right for all these parts that uh, that uh, I end up playing. Now you're, you're you're Cuban. Yeah. Did you see the movie Chef? I haven't seen that yet. I just rented it. Watch it. It's great. It's good. Yeah. yeah. I, I just because I always think when people say you know, and it's just good and it just shows. So anyway, yeah. so you so you do without a trace. So now you're now are you still sitting there going okay? I'm gonna still do some voice stuff or or do you sit there and go okay? I'm gonna concentrate on getting these no I, I still do i haven't done voice stuff in a while now because i've uh, things have gone really well on camera but i was always pursuing them both simultaneously because uh, you know you get a video game and you know you you record it for like four hours it's not uh it's not yeah uh, yeah it's not like but what i meant to say was like a lot of voice guys they just um they end up getting so busy and doing so much work that <clears throat> that becomes all they're about and uh um i was able to do both for a long time and then i just stopped kind of doing voiceover just because I was so busy on camera. So. Well, yeah, it seems like you started working a lot. It says you're, you're in CSI Miami. Right. Which also, that must have been cool. Did they shoot that in Miami? No. no. They shot in Manhattan Beach. But you must but you must have sat there and go, hey, man, this isn't like Miami. And what's that <laughs> like for you being from Miami? It's like when I see Cold Case, because we're also in Cold Case, I want to talk about that. But when I see Cold Case, you know, they do the exteriors from Philly and the inside. And, you know, growing up, you used to go to Philadelphia a lot. And it's just weird. Like, being from Miami, it must just be weird for you sitting there going, man, I'm from Miami. Yeah. And you'd have actors on the show who are, like, on the beach wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> like, I've never seen anybody wear a leather jacket anywhere in Miami, much less on the beach. But, uh, you know, it now, looked cool. Now, Cold Case, you played uh, uh, a priest. Right. Who had a, <clears throat> was a child molester. Uh, not a child oh. molester. I I was uh, I I liked the ladies, and so women who were who were immigrants who would come in, they would come to the church for sanctuary, and then I would take advantage. Now, would people ever notice you after those roles and think you were a jerk? I mean, because it's like if you play a role like that, it's got to be something where it's people are probably like, you know, uh, even though it's an acting. Did, did you ever get any weird static for stuff? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did this show Dallas. I was on the second season of Dallas for the whole season, and uh, in the show, I. Uh, set this bomb that killed these two babies and uh i was i was in an airport flying to atlanta and uh the show was really popular at the time and this lady stops me goes you play on dallas he goes, you killed those babies how could you do that <laughs> <laughs> so now, now that you're it seems like you're a big role also was in commander-in-chief yeah that was a that, that yeah exactly now, that was a recurring Right. Now, was that your was that your first recurring? Right. Because then, what was that like? Because you sit there. I mean, you're getting these parts, and you're doing well. I mean, you're you're getting out. You're getting on TV show. You're getting film. But I mean, but it's like anything. I'm sure, whatever level you're at, if you're serious about your career, you're always going to be frustrated. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do the same thing when I see like a guest I tried to get is on some you know other show, and I'm like, wait a second, I've had a lot better guests than this person. I get frustrated, but then I don't, I don't get bitter because I go, well, you know what. I just got to try to get that guest again. Or I go, well, maybe he knew him. But, for, you know, I mean, you, that's the way of things. For you, I mean, you're sitting there, you're getting work, but did you still, I mean, you still must have been like, damn it, I, I want to get that right. I mean, because, yeah. I mean, I always wonder for like a lot of, you've done so many guest spots. When you go on a show, do, do you feel like you're like 
the the kid visiting college. Like, you know when you're in college and you have a friend visit and you take him in for the weekend and he, like and when he leaves you go and goes hey that guy's cool and they go yeah well he'll be back maybe in a year. Yeah. I mean does, when you as an actor how does that does that feel like when you go in and you're on this great set do you sit there and go I, I really want this or do you sit there and go this will happen? It was I always felt like it would happen. And uh, I always approached doing guest spots like a pinch hitter, you know, like I never like I never felt like, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm just a guest here and I don't uh, get to, um, you know, do my thing. I just want to keep my head down and not get in trouble and stuff. I, I always felt like they gave me this part. It's because they want me to come in and hit a home run with this part. And so <clears throat> I would uh, always do that. And uh, that kind of made made what my you know, turned certain roles into more roles because when they hired me i saw robert de niro once said in an interview he said like when you want to start as an actor you just take any part anybody gives you and do it as well do it like it's the part you're going to be remembered for the rest of your life <clears throat> and i tried to approach it like that and commander-in-chief was one where you know i just i learned everything about what it really was to be on a tv set because as you, you know you're a guest you come in maybe two or three days but to be on the show all the time almost every day for, you know, episode after episode with big stars, Gina Davis and Donald Sutherland. It, it really taught me a lot about how you pace yourself, how you approach it, how, how you handle a long scene, how you handle a short scene, you know. Now, was the, were you cast in that as just a <clears throat> one uh, a one spot or did you, uh, were you cast in that as one spot or were you, were you cast as recurring or did you know, it would, I mean, when you got cast, when you went to audition, what did they basically say to you? They said, hey, you're going to play this part. It's for a bunch of, like, how'd your agent build it up to you? Oftentimes on these, on these breakdowns, they'll say, they'll say the character thing and then they'll say possible recurring. Okay. Which means they're not promising you anything, but they're thinking that this part might have, you know. And I think that comes down to if you have, uh, you get along with the cast or if you're, good enough that people are going to want and that's i think for you as an actor that that must like set off lights in your head like this is awesome it's possibly recurring so if i go in if i kick ass yeah there's a very good chance if i go in and i don't get my 100 percent and just get the part you know that's right and i i had gone back to miami for a high school reunion and my agent called me and said what are you doing can you come back to town i said i'm in miami and she said well they're going to see some people uh tomorrow but if they don't like what they see are you willing to fly back? And I said, yeah, okay. But I figured, you know, they're going to find who they're looking right. for. <clears throat> the next day they called and said, they don't, they want to see you. Got on the plane, went to the audition, got the part. And already I had, you know, put so much into it by flying back and being prepared and doing my thing. And, uh, um, I was determined. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to deliver this guy as strong and as tight as I can. Cause I think that there's a chance that this character would be part of the inner circle of this story and that's what happened you know it must have been cool though as you said working with i mean you work with donald sutherland i mean did you get a lot of scenes with him or or i mean i mean was it as an actor i mean if you sit there i mean and he's trained and he's i mean he's got a career oh, i mean you sit there and go even his son's a superstar you know what i mean oh, it, yeah. i mean what is that like as an actor you know and just you're going in i mean and even gina davis who's a great actress you know uh academy nominated thumb and louise i mean she everyone, won the oscar yeah what's for thumb and louise yeah and it just i mean what is that like i mean for you as an actor i mean i'm sure like anything you're an actor you're a professional. You schooled for this. You have talent. And I'm sure in your gut, you're like, I can hold my own with these people because we're all the same. It's just, you know, as people say, some people have just gotten that certain break. Not that they're better actors, but they've gotten that break. But what is it, your mental psyche? Because you're, you're hitting with two, I mean, you did some great TV shows, but now you're hitting with two majorly majorly heavy hitters how do you approach that on your scenes were you nervous at all oh my god <clears throat> donald sutherland was in two movies with marlon brando right donald sutherland was in a fellini movie he was in the dirty dozen i mean the guy has uh, he's an animal house an, it was a know, small part but he was an animal. animal house you know he's a, he's a lion of this industry you know and um I didn't work with him as much cuz he was the opposition to the to Gina Davis's character who I worked with almost every day who was just an absolutely wonderful person and um but but you know no matter how great and intimidating the actors are and Donald Sutherland was definitely intimidating once the scene starts it's just actors talking to each other and playing a scene and so once we started working I got a lot more confident and relaxed and we were sitting and shooting a scene once and we we're sitting on this couch across from each other and Donald Sutherland says uh uh, Alex, what time is it? And I look at my watch and I say, it's so-and-so. And then I thought about it for a second. I said, 
Donald Sutherland knows my name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you see, you look at someone like him, and and you, and you just have the Brando and the history, but you just think of the stories he could tell about his drinking with you know those the Eng, you know all his act. I mean, just and just oh, the man. womanizing. You just, I mean, you sit there, you probably go, it'd be like hanging out with like Michael Caine. You know, these guys, you know, they just have these probably insane stories that like rock stars and it's, yeah. they, that's what they are they're the equivalent so it's like anything if you, someone asked you know a guy I know who plays guitar I said go play with the Stones you'd be a little upset <laughs> yeah. but, but once you got over it it was all smooth sailing yeah because uh, again I, I, I feel pretty confident in myself even if I'm intimidated I know I'm going to go in there and be prepared and, and play the scene and uh, once I started working then it became obvious that I was on the level that they were going to be able to respect and um, um, and that was a great show to learn all that on like not just how like I was saying before, how to be on a show, but then to play scenes with very, very famous actors and not be intimidated. You know? now, how many, now, how many seasons did that last? Only one. Now, was it set for one season or did they just, I mean, because it's such a good, it's one of those things, I'm sure as you as an actor, even if it's recurring, you got cast as a recurring or was it a guest or whatever. Recurring, yeah. You must think, I mean, and that's what's so screwed up about this business. You must sit there and think that, okay, I'm going into a series with Donald Sutherland and Gina Davis. Even though I'm recurring, you must be thinking in your head, I got at least three years work of this. Oh, yeah. I mean, because you're sitting there going, I don't know who created it, but I'm sure it was, to get those names, it was someone big. Yeah, it was Rod Lurie, who, okay. you know, big guy. And and the show premiered as the number one new show on television. Okay. So we thought, well, this thing is set, you know. And then it got... um back nine order what they call back nine order right so we thought all right well this is but there was a lot of internal problems with running the show and the scripts weren't arriving on time and the, the production had to take a break for a couple months to catch up and and then they switched showrunners twice and so when that kind of thing happens you start to lose momentum and that show basically went from hit show to cautionary tale in one season you know i thought for sure it was going to go another year it almost did and um, because I had been in, I came in as a recurring, but they liked the work I was doing so much, they started putting me in more and more. And I thought, well, when this goes to second season, I might even get bumped to series regular. Right. But uh, instead, they canceled the show. So. so how do you sit there? I mean, how do you keep your, you know, your let's say your happy face? I mean, because it's, as I said, it's like anything. When you look at these stars and you said, and you proved yourself and they liked you. So what do you do as an actor? Do you sit there and go, do you get, I mean, we all get frustrated, but you just say, all right, man, I got to deal with it. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's people, you know, who've had long series who can't get work. Look at Judge Reinhold. You know, the guy was huge, can't get work anymore. Yeah. So do you sit there and do you say, I'm going back to the grindstone? Or did you sit there and just say, I got to, did you think about going back to voice? Or did you sit there and go, maybe I'll do some theater? What, did, what was Things your mind? Were, I mean, for my, for my case there, they were, I was already shoot. I was still shooting other shows okay. while I was doing Commander in Chief. And then I had booked my first pilot, which I shot, and it didn't get picked up. But even though that show didn't get picked up and Commander Chief got canceled, you you go through your requisite depression, and you you're con you're convincing yourself that you're never going to work again. But the fact is, the the ball was already rolling, and people were already getting to know who I was. So I was getting auditions and getting work. What was the pilot? Do it was called Sixty Minute Man, and it was uh, a the drama. Yeah, it was starring uh, David James Elliott. Okay, and then you were. One of the other. I was a detective. Uh, yeah, and so that must have been it cool. Like, it was it was in that era when all the shows were like serial mysteries, like Lost, you know. Okay. And so, um, I think it just kind of got to a point where they they got tired of those, <laughs> and right. they just didn't pick it up, you know. But that must be a great feeling because it is a pilot. Someone contact, you know, it must be great because I mean, and it gives you that hope. I think anything, you know, I always that's one what I've gotten because I've had so many actors on here that have been in, and I always tell young actors, I know, they go, well, this town sucks, and they see it on Facebook, screw this town, I can't get, to. and it's like, I have so many people who have actually been in pilots that haven't got picked up, who've been cast in a series and have gotten fired without their doing, you know, nothing yeah. to do, and I always tell people, everyone thinks like for some reason this is supposed to be easy. You know, everyone, I mean, when you think about it, people come to LA and they think they're gonna be a star, and I said, you know, the whole thing is, you, you just can't get frustrated, because if you get frustrated and if you get bitter, that's one thing, bitter is a hard pill. I did stand-up comedy for years, and you know, I got out of the business, and I look at it now, I, I fool around with it, and a lot of my friends have become very big. I mean, one of my friends is, I'm, I'm not really friends anymore, is huge, I mean, one of the biggest directors in Hollywood. But we were never embittered because of his success, you know, because yeah. it's like anything, you wanna see people do good, and it's like, you have to, people think it's, it it's it takes more than talent. That's what people don't get. Yeah, it t exactly. It, it, talent and the training and desire. It's just not enough. You got you got to be able to weather those periods, and you got to have a lot of uh, belief that this is, you're doing this because 
this is what you have to do. I always felt like with acting that if I, you know, if I never got hired again, if I had to dig a ditch in the ground and act in it, I would. I mean, I just, I'm an actor. That's what I'm going to do for my life, whatever, whatever, however that forms itself. And so I'm not going to say I didn't get frustrated and depressed because that's just part of the game. But whether that's going to take you down is a different thing. You know, um, I, 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 one day I realized um, whether another actor gets a part or another actor gets a job that literally has nothing to do with me. You know, there is no other act. There's no other me in town, just like there's no other these other guys, you know. So if that guy gets a part over me, it's because they chose him for whatever reasons that I have no control over. All I can do is go in. I put on this focus on myself that I'm going to go to every audition, not with the goal of getting the job with the goal of showing these casting people that I'm a good actor and that they'll remember that. And that plan has worked out because a lot of times I'll go in and I'll read for a part and I don't get it. But those people call me in again and again and I get hired for multiple jobs or whatever. And that's how I end up with, you know, hundred something credits, you know, just just going in and just putting my hook in the, in the, in the, in the door every time, you know, now you were in prison break for a few episodes too. Right. Now, what was that? That, that was like a, that was sort of like a cult show. I think it was one of those things that had a weird following. Now, did you go in as a recurring or, I mean, you did a few episodes. How did that come about? I, I just auditioned for it and, uh, uh, it shot in Dallas. So that was the first show that I shot outside of Los Angeles. What was that like? I mean, cause that's, that's gonna be like, Cool and not cool because you're sitting there going, it's like, you know, you're going away and you're doing, and of course, you're, they take care of you, yeah. up and all that, but it's just, it just, I don't know, it would just seem for me, it's like, I'm going down there for a few days. I mean, what, did you enjoy going out of town? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was because now, uh, especially for a long period, a lot of shows shoot outside of Los Angeles now. So after a while, you get a little tired of like, uh, you know, you're going to be stuck in Atlanta, you're going to be in Albuquerque. But uh, at that time, it, it was just exciting that I got this job and it shoots in Dallas and they're flying you there and they're putting you up at this hotel and you're, you know, so everything about it was exciting. And that show, as you say, was a cult show. And uh, that's even though I only appeared in three episodes of that and it wasn't that huge a part. Uh, that's the one that a lot of people point to, you know, a lot of people uh, say I saw you on prison break or, or they notice I was on prison break and they're impressed by it. It's interesting how the show is. I can be on. 25 shows with huge parts but you get on one thing like breaking bad or something and you do one episode and everybody remembers you from that you well know? it is i think because one of those things is it is such a cult following and it's also i think people if you're on a show let's say you know because you've been let's say you've been on criminal minds okay let's say you know let's say ncis like, you know if you're on that show they're gonna see you in a week but then you know they're going to see that show a bunch of other weeks. Yeah. But shows like, you know, Prison Break or Breaking Bad, especially Breaking Bad and Prison Break, any of these shows, people binge watch. That's right. And when you binge watch, you because re you remember, it's like your whole, like I my friend last night I was over, I showed him Larry Hankin, who was in my show, who played the junkyard uh, guy on, on um, Breaking Bad, like second to last season. And my friend had just binge. He's like, oh yeah, I remember that. People, when you, it's weird, when you don't remember episodes you saw four years ago, but when you binge watch a whole series in a month, you remember that for a year. And you can, Everybody, and so they yeah. sit there and they go, like with Prison Bag, they must have been just been like, hey, you know, I mean, was that cool? Do people, when people, do you like when people recognize you? Yeah, it doesn't happen all, it, it happened, it started happening last year more for the first time. But of course, it's nice to know that you, you do these shows and they get put out in the air and you don't know really if anybody's watched it, if anybody liked it, you know. Um, so it's really nice to, to have somebody say, I saw you on that, or they say, I'm talking to somebody working, somebody, I, I told my wife last night that I, that I met the guy from Prison Break, you know. I think that's pretty cool, you know. I, uh, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it, I, I, I like the show NCIS. I was on NCIS. Let me right? ask you something. I'm going to say something about NCIS. And this is what I've heard, and I've heard it from a ton of actors. They say that is, not, I won't say hands down, because I'm not making fun of other shows. I've heard that is one of the best shows ever to be a guest on, because Mark Harmon, they say, is the coolest, like, I'm not going to curse, cause I'm like, I, the coolest MFer around, because he just comes in, and everyone says, when you walk on that set, you think to yourself, this is what this business should be about. Because I heard everybody's happy. Harmon's the coolest cat. 
he knows what he has. He and I've heard. I mean, is it is, is that what happened? Every to you? one of those is true. Yeah, that guy is the coolest, nicest guy. The, certainly, the biggest, uh, nicest guy who's a big star. Like he's that, huge. I mean, he's that. like that show's huge. And before that, he was insane. I mean, he's a oh, huge. Yeah. He played quarterback for UCLA. The That's guy's right. been a, a in the limelight. His whole life. You could tell he played quarterback because he's got hands like uh, tennis rackets. Does he really? I walked on the set and he introduced himself and he shook my hand and in a warm, not like, you know, I'm just going to get this over with because I got it, you know, like in a warm, sincere way. And he said, uh, my goal is to make you miss us when you're done. That must be so refreshing. Right. After two weeks, I did two episodes. After that, I was like, I do miss that set. That was just so cool. And that guy was so great. How refreshing is that though? Because, you know, you hear, and the funny thing is, you hear a lot of stories about different actors and, and we all encounter people and I, and I've been honest, you know, I've been locked blessed to get a lot of great guests who have acted in a lot of stuff. And I'll be honest, I haven't had one jerk and I, and, I, and I don't say that just to protect anyone. I had one jerk comedian when I started, but he was just an idiot. And, uh, but how does that make, must make you feel so great that when someone is that big, you know, that they're just still genuine. I mean, and his dad played for the Eagles. I mean, the kid, yeah. he, he comes from a lineage that's success. You know and, what it is about him is that he understands how lucky he is. He understands that he gets to do this great job where he plays this character that so many people in this country love. And he recognizes and acknowledges that and uh, makes sure that everybody around him feels the same way. And you know he told he told me that on that set they have a no a holes rule. You know? A few people have said <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, they say, and, and that's so funny. But that's so cool because you always do hear stories that someone's a jerk. You know? Yeah, and I've worked with plenty of guys who 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 were who were jerks. You know, but uh, generally speaking, most people, you know, like in any walk of life, most people are cool, and most people like doing the work. It's it, it's, it makes it difficult when you got somebody who. Uh, who has a sense of entitlement who suddenly feels like they, because they got what they got, they can treat anybody the way they want and they would storm off the set and there's, you know, a hundred man crew sitting there waiting for an hour and a half. That's an hour and a half. They don't get to go home to their families right. at the end of the day. You know, Mark Harmon is a guy who, it, it, that is a way to emulate. That's the way to, that, that's how you star on a TV show like that. You know, it must be great. And now, now I'm looking at your resume. Now you, you were, you were, after you were doing all these guest spots, you were doing some more video games too. Mm -hmm. Now you got the other voice work for the anime and stuff from the, the school you went to. How does it, how does it, how did you get into video games? I mean, cause it's like, I mean, and what kind of characters did you play? Like a bad guy? I mean, you know, like, I mean, what kind of yeah, characters I play you bad play? guys? I play, I did this video game called dead rising where I played the villain on it. And is I, that like a Western type? Or it's no? a zombie. Thing. Okay. Yeah. And then I did this video game. There's only one thing <clears throat> that I've ever done in my whole career where I got fan letters, and it was for this video game I did called Final, Final Fantasy X. I've, 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 heard Final Fan I've heard they have a sick, sick... I know this guy, Spike Spencer, who was in one of the Final Fantasies, mm -hmm. at Voice, and he does like anime stuff, like those festivals, those conventions. They have like an insane following because I mean, you think a video game to go that's ten. I mean, and you know how long you have to play a video yeah. game, just one video game, but to get ten of them, then these people must be zom computer zombies. I get like letters from from like a teenagers in in the Netherlands, you know, with pictures asking me to sign the pictures, and uh, I never gone to any of those anime festivals, but I get so many things about playing Maester Seymour Guado on that show that I think that I could probably go to these things and people would want to. What, signed picture. I mean, it, it, what was the it was character? Like Ten years ago. What was the character? It was the main bad guy of the entire game. This sort of like mystical, uh, power, uh, powerful character named Seymour Guado, who's trying to control everything. And then you, as as you're playing the game, you're trying to defeat him. And uh, um, people just got like obsessed with it. But and what's amazing is that they actually they I'm sit like, there. I, I recorded this like in. Like you know, in six hours over the course of three days, it's not you kind of go right. on with your life. It's but but but, the, but to them, it's like everything. But don't think about it. Let, let's be honest. If you have that much time to play the okay, not even to play all these video games. I mean, I have a Wii. I bought a Wii a year and a half ago. A year. I thought it'd be fun. I played it twice. Yeah. Okay, like we we <laughs> made a girlfriend. We bowled one day, and then she's like, "Oh, I got this free uh, game rental, or whatever." So we did a wheel of fortune which makes no offense to do wheel of fortune on the way and say like, you know <laughs> and I, I bought a few games because i would go to the store and i'd be like i love football so nfl 2011 i don't need anything three bucks they're all sitting there 
And that's like most people. Yeah. You know, some people will get a video console and they'll play. And I know people will play, but you get tired of it. But you think if someone plays that much and to the fact that to go and find, you have to, I'm sure it's not easy to find the name you're, it's not like, I mean, yeah. it, maybe they have movie credits on them now, but it must be amazing. And then how do they, how do they send you email? I mean, do they send through, you emails? Through or? my agent. Now they hit me up on Twitter and uh, and stuff like that. But uh, but this was before when they would somehow send these letters to my, they find out who my agent is. That's amazing. Send it to my agent. My agent would pass it on to me. That must be cool, but it must be sort of weird for the fact that, I mean, that's that's a lot of effort to go for an autograph. But, you know, for it's, an autograph. It's flattering, and it's really nice, and it's and it's 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 great that you, again, it's great that you did something that somebody was affected by so strongly. And uh, I feel fortunate that I could do something that would make somebody, you know, feel so good or want to be part of it more. But it's what's funny about it is that, uh, they're talking about they're writing me letters and talking about the game and you know I've never played the game I don't right know how you play the game <laughs> they probably want cheats like hey so because you, you probably go in your voice and, you know yeah, yeah, it's we voice funny. it I, have, I don't have no idea how the game is played I've never you know I did this great game not long ago called Brutal Legend with Jack Black and it was sort of this heavy metal uh, um, uh, adventure and I played like the roadie and Jack Black no Jack Black's the roadie and I was the sound guy and. Uh, you know, people, all these people talking about how great the game is and this happens and do you think this, do you think that? I'm like, I have no idea. Man. Yeah, it's a job. That's just yeah. the way it is. <laughs> now, um, now I want to talk about some of your later episode series lately, but um, did you still do theater at all? I mean, Oh, yeah. I, no, now, when when did you start? I, I know I saw something on your Facebook. I think you recently did a performance a, while, uh, a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Now, when did you start going back into theater more? Did you, because it seems like for a while you were doing a lot of work on TV and you're doing the voices. And I think anything, because you're trained first, you must miss it. So when did you sit there and go, I want to start doing a little more theater? I never I never really totally gave it up. Okay. Because, you know, theater is not something that you sort of go back to. It's kind of like you always there. And, uh, but uh, in, the, in, in around 2008, I started directing plays. And uh, that's when my involvement got really intense because I started to direct. I directed this play that uh, I was also acting in, and it was in a small theater that I started in uh, Silver Lake here in Los Angeles. And uh, I converted this dentist office and made it into a 26 seat theater. I was directing this play and I was in it, and I didn't want the reviewers or audience to think it was some kind of vanity project because I was in it and I directed it. Right. So I made up this fake name for a director. I made up this name, Guillermo Cienfuegos. Now, how'd you come up with that? <laughs> Cienfuegos is a province in Cuba. I okay. think it's a great name. And then so Guillermo just seems to fit that name. And uh, the play opened and, uh, you know, I made a fake bio and everything. And Guillermo got uh, better reviews than I ever got in anything. <laughs> so when I kept directing plays, I just kept going under this name because, you know, I didn't want to, he had such a promising career, I didn't want to end it. So I just kept directing plays as Guillermo Cienfuegos. And uh, so in the L.A. theater scene, uh, I've gotten a lot of, in fact, just last week, I, I won uh, the, the Ovation Award for directing a production of Henry V that... Um, that we ran this year. Where was that at? Where'd you at run Pacific it? Resident Theater in okay. Venice. That's where I do most of my work. I've directed about eight plays there. But uh, again, I was also in Henry V, and I was—I just did a production of The Cherry Orchard there. So it's really like like you're talking about. I'm right now. I'm shooting an episode of The Mentalist. I love that show. Yeah, it's cool. No, that, that, that shoots out here then. Yeah, it yeah. shoots. Yeah, it shoots here on Warner, not far from here. And uh, uh, you know, I had just been doing. The Cherry Orchard was a very complicated Chekhovian Russian drama. And then you go in to do the TV show, and uh, it's like it doesn't matter what they could throw at you. Your your, your, your skills are so tight right. working on this really complicated material that you're able to knock this stuff out pretty easy. And uh, um, I would never give up doing the theater. And I'm really lucky that Los Angeles is a place where I can do both. You know? It must be great for you also because we said you run Dallas. Yeah. So that was for a season. Yeah. Okay, and that show got canceled. Which, you know, yeah, they, they, it went on another season after me. I got a, I got shanked in the neck in prison in that show. So. Now, now, was that, when you knew that, that was going to be a recurring role when you got that? <clears throat> no. They uh, they gave, they, they yes, they, they said it was probably going to come back, but at the time, they didn't know how much. So I auditioned. It was a tight, like two lines in the audition, but they said, please come and audition because I think we're going to do more with this guy. So I did. They gave me the part, and then I didn't know what was going to happen. I, uh, uh, a few episodes went by and I wasn't in it. And then Larry Hagman, uh, who was on that show, passed away while shooting it. 
And so I figured, well, they're just going to get rid of my storyline altogether. But instead, they intensified it. And so I ended up doing nine more episodes where I was like a primary villain on the show. That must be great because then it, you know you're getting that work, but then also you know when it comes to the theater, you, you, you can balance it because you're booked for nine episodes. Instead yeah. of being booked for <clears throat> one, you sit there and go, okay, well now you know, okay, I can, I can maybe put a little more money into the theater or do, you know, so that must be a great feeling. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, when I was doing Dallas... That was last year where I had this crazy... I was doing four shows simultaneously. Yeah, you're doing Killer Women. Killer Women. Now, what station was it? What, what network was that? That was on ABC. Okay. That was actually... I had. I, that was my fourth pilot, That this is the, but the first one that ever actually went to series. Okay, now, who was in that? That was uh, Trisha Helfer, uh, who was from Battlestar Galactica, Tra Michael Truco, who was from Battlestar Galactica. Um, I, I, rem I remember the previews, but I don't you know. So, but but you're on that, so you're doing that, and you're so you do Dallas, and then you're doing this. Is this is are you a series regular on this? I was a series regular on Killer Women, and recurring on Dallas and a show called Devious Maids, which uh, Carol Leifer is one of the writers. Yes, for. right. Yeah, she wrote one of the episodes. That so, I funny. Just did. Yeah, so funny, really funny, really great show. So what was it? Was it was it great? Finally, being a series regular. Did you, I mean it must have been you know even and the funny thing is when it rains it pours. You're a series regular, and then you're recurring and recurring, and then you're on the bridge. And yeah. So I mean, I mean, you must sit there and go. At some point, it must be like you must feel great, but then you must have got to sit there and go, God, every actor's going to think I'm a dick. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, what are you doing well, on this show? Well, okay, I auditioned for a commercial. I'm also on this show. Well, I, I, I got a call back. <laughs> oh, I'm on this show. Oh, yeah, well, but this one, I'm only on, Bridge, I'm only on like three episodes. I mean, it must, <laughs> just, right. it, it yeah. must be funny, and it's great for you, but it, it, people must sit there and be like, man, what the hell? I'm really aware of the fact that I, uh, uh, in the last few years, I work more than most every actor in town and even if you don't know me i'm working a lot and so i'm really appreciative of it. my my agent was sort of like i'm shooting this thing in albuquerque in austin what did you shoot in austin austin was the pilot for killer women okay but then we ended up shooting the series in albuquerque uh that's the thing i was on four shows but uh killer women was in austin dallas was in dallas devious maids is in atlanta and the bridge was in los angeles so i was flying back and forth and my agent was like are you sure you're not getting tired i'm like tired <laughs> you know, keep bringing it on. I just, I was so excited and happy to, that so many people wanted to work with me and were willing to move schedules around. I was only able to do the Killer Women pilot because the producers of Dallas uh, made an arrangement with those producers. Plus, you're in Dallas and you can shoot to Austin, so it all works out. Yeah, but I mean, they didn't have to do that. Right. The fact that Michael Robin, who runs that show, ran that show Dallas, it was such a stand up great guy that made these. I mean, I, I got to have this series because he said, okay. You know. Now, what's that like? Because you're going from show to show to show. Do you ever sit there and get lost in your characters? Because I mean, I mean, not lost, but I mean, are they a lot of them? Were they a lot of them similar characters? Were they different characters? Or that's I, funny because they were all very different. Okay, so that made things easy. But you know, it, uh, confusing your characters would be like confusing your friends. You know, you right. know everybody. But <clears throat> I shot a show. I shot an episode of of uh, shot part of the pilot on on Killer Women, and we wrapped at 1:30 a.m. in Austin. At 4 a.m., a car picked me up and took me to to to, to the airport to fly to to uh, to Atlanta to Dallas. Got off the plane, went straight to the set, and by 7 a.m., I was shooting uh, a scene from Dallas where I was chasing a guy on a motorcycle. Well, how how did you when did you get the time to to learn your lines? Because I mean, right there you shoot. And you're you're and you you're not gonna you're not gonna be studying your lines for yeah. Dallas when you're shooting a pilot for a killer. I just you know you there's can't. actually you know there's a lot of you know on any set there's a lot of downtime and if you can figure out how to manage your time then you know that all right this this is the you start to say it's not I don't have to learn the whole episode you know I'm gonna be shooting this scene tomorrow so this is the scene that I have to focus on and uh, I'm already okay with this thing for Killer Women so I'm gonna shoot that and then. You know, between this time, I'm going to look at that again on the airport and at the airplane. I'll look at it again, and then we have a rehearsal. There's a lot of downtime, a lot of prep. If you come in pretty relaxed, if you've never looked at it at all, then you're really screwing things up. But uh, I've been at it long, long enough that I've I, I know how to manage my time in a way that I can maximize it. You know. Now you're doing all this work. Were you were you bummed though when because you're finally series regular and Killer Woman doesn't go? Is is that a, was that bumming for you? Because in in I mean that's not. You still had all the other work, but yeah. did you sit there and go, man? If and it's like anything, any actor, it's great to be recurring. It's great to be a guest star. It's great to, great to do this. But when you're actually a series regular and you sit there and you know, hey, man, if this makes it another season, I don't, 
I want to work more, but I can do this work. And then, you know, I mean, was it was that a bummer for you when that got canceled? It was a bummer, but, you know, we shot the show. So I kind of, I was so happy that it got picked up because I had done three pilots beforehand that I thought were good shows that didn't get picked up. Um, when it got picked up and we were guaranteed these eight episodes, I, I, I was just so thrilled because it was the biggest payday, certainly, that I'd ever had. And I wanted it to get go to a second season, but uh, there wasn't a lot. It's not like we expected it to be this big hit, and it wasn't. It was kind of like a mid show that that you you hoped it would catch on. So it's it's there wasn't like a gigantic expectation on it that uh, that didn't get reached. You know, we sort of like thought maybe we'll get lucky if we slip in in this slot, and we just didn't get lucky. So, uh, but it would have been nice. I really loved working with all those people, so it would have been nice to do. It, it'd be nice to. To get on a show for a couple of seasons, you know. Now you said in Dallas you got shanked in the neck. Yeah. Is that the first time you get killed on screen, or no have you? No way, get... man! I get killed all the time. What, what's What's your worst? What was your? I mean, one. What was the worst way that we would see if you gotten killed? Like you know, a shank's pretty bad, but is there, have you ever gotten like shot like a bunch of times? Oh, or... I've been shot a bunch of times. I've been stabbed several times. Uh, but the worst was I was on the show, the remake of of Night Stalker, and uh, I was. I was poisoned with this thing that made my 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 entire body like sort of bubble in flames. And so I was like in a pool. I drank this thing and it had been poisoned. I jumped in the pool and went in the pool. My body just like, like sores coming out and like, you know, like from the inside, the body, the body just sort of burned up. Now, how do they do that? They would. It has this amazing makeup guy. And so, uh, but is it? Do you feel it? I mean, I, 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 does it hurt at it all? It took hours, and they had these little sort of like bubbles on here that they would be able to work, so it would look like it was popping, you know. And they put, they had, they fitted me for red contact lenses, and uh, it was intense. It took hours to create. Like I had to sit in, in a chair where they put the, the the plaster cast on your head with just little uh, uh, straws sticking out of your nostrils. Does so that you get you a little claustrophobic? Not me. Yeah. That's not a problem I have. But I can. I mean, I can imagine some people probably have a hard time dealing with that. But that's the worst way that I've died. I've died a lot of ways. And you, but you have to, that has to be done in one take, pretty much. No, they had. We did it in like three or four because they, they 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 know what they're doing. They know okay. how to work it. You know. Now the shank. What if some just walk up and stick it? In, I mean, st- how how does it? I mean, does it? Did you? Does it? Do you feel? Is it a, like a, a blade that just it goes in? I mean, it's how- a retracting blade. Okay. You know, uh, in this case, they uh, you know the guys who were killing me were professional stuntmen, so they knew exactly how to do it. I'm on the phone in prison. I hang up. When I turn around, they grab me and stick the knife in my neck, and that was it. Have you ever got hurt on a set? No, no. I mean, like, just like as a slip up or anything like that. No, I'm lucky so far. So the bridge, I, the bridge got canceled, which was yeah. that must, be, but that was good because it's shot out here. Yeah, and I my character my character story had already been wrapped up, but I was disappointed because that was uh, that's a really good show. I was surprised that FX didn't stick with it even longer. Because yeah, Alejandro Patino was on. Uh, oh yeah, two weeks before it got um, canceled, and we were talking about that. And I, I love I love that show, and it just it sucks when good shows get canceled. You yeah. know, it's like, and it sucks when if you're on a show, it must suck. But anybody go back, you get resilient. if you're on a show and it's not a good show, it sucks when it cancels. It gets right. canceled. <laughs> but good shows getting canceled, you try to understand. You, you know, it, it, these people are just bottom liners, and if it's not reaching its numbers, they're just going to take it off, and it's a shame. Now, Devious Maids is is that more like a com i mean yeah. is that is that your one of your first stabs at doing comedy and was your role com- i mean it seems you see maybe you have a lot of drama on your i have a lot of drama but i've done uh, i've i've done plenty of comedy not just in the theater but also on tv not i've never done like a sitcom or anything but i've done comedic characters like on a show called the finder and a show called the good guys but devious maids is like a straight up comedy soap opera like uh, desperate housewives and uh that show is just so much, especially it was fun to do opposite these really heavy dramas I was doing like Dallas. Right, and, I was going to say. Back and then I'm just this sort of goofy, you know, husband on it. And it just got picked up for a third season. So Now will you be back? <clears throat> well, I was standing in this show in front of a church. Our last shot we shot, we're all at a wedding, me and the other and the regulars. And somebody drives by and shoots at the crowd, and we have no idea who got shot. Oh, so, oh so my God. it that, could be me. That must suck, though. <laughs> yeah. Now, when will you find out? Because I, I mean, that, that's like that's just mean. Yeah. It's like sitting there going, "Okay, you know, at least they should say, okay, you know, you're not going to." But then it's like it's probably for you know 
for an actor, it's probably like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're a kid on Christmas Eve, you know, you're waiting <laughs> and, and that, that just even though you go to bed, you know, at, at 10, you wake up at like four and, yeah. you, and you have that, it's like that walking on egg, not eggshells, yeah. but that's just that thing. So did you enjoy doing comedy? Do you enjoy comedy? Oh, yeah. Now, yeah, would, yeah. would you ever think of pursuing like sitcoms and stuff like that? Or do you audition yeah, for them? Yeah, I never, I never, I, 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 I very infrequently audition for them, <clears throat> but I would, I would love to do one. I know that I do it well and, um, but it just usually, you know, with a guy like me, I'm a big guy. I'm kind of a, uh, uh, authority figure type. Those, those characters don't really show up on sitcoms that much, you know? Um, but devious maids, uh, turned out to be a great situation for me. Cause I got a lot of great, like you say, Carol Leifer writes some of that yeah, stuff. She's brilliant. So, I just saw her to benefit performing. She's awesome. We have a few minutes left. Um, so we, you recently on stalker, which I saw you, which I, that's a fun show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. good. And now uh, did it's you a know, hit too, so. yeah, did you know Lewis before or had you guys worked together? We met on the set cause you guys it, play best friends, which that must be cool when you meet someone. It's unusual that, that you hit it off as well with somebody on a set that you just met, you know, he and I literally just met, but we just got to talking and we were supposed to be best friends and we hit it off so well that I felt like you could believe that we went back a long way. And he's such a great guy. He's a real, you both have very good careers. So you sit there, I mean, and that's what this must be sort of weird for you when you sit there and you work with someone who you've never worked with because you've worked in so many shows. I mean, there's, you know, it's like, I'm sure there's a group. I mean, you got to see these guys when you both, all of you had these long careers. It's like you said, my next guest, Eric, you worked with Eric before. It's like, you guys just must run it or at least run into each other at auditions and stuff. Yeah. I'd never see, I'd seen Lewis on TV. I'd seen him on shows, but I'd never met him because for whatever reason, I never run into him, met him. Uh, but, uh, again, great guy and made that job really easy. And then you're shooting the medalist now, or you just shot it? I'm sh- I, f- I wrap it this week. Yeah. Is that what you shot last week? Yeah. Okay. So, but so how long is that shoot? Like two weeks? You're on there, or a sh- a, all episodic shoot about eight days. Okay. So it's you know two weeks essentially because five days and then the weekend, and I'm I'm on this show uh, for five of those eight days. So, so now what else is coming up? Any other? Uh, well, we're waiting to see what happens with Devious Maids. Uh, I direct and act in these uh, comedy plays uh, that we do at PRT called Out There on Fried Meat Ridge Road. And what, uh, it, what is it? Out There on no, Fried... Oh, P- Pacific Resident Theater. And that's in Venice. That's in Venice. Now, where is yeah. that in Venice? Is that It's on Venice Boulevard between uh, Lincoln and um, Abbott Kinney. Okay. And uh, we've been doing these for like two years. They're real fan favorites. We've done three of them, and now we're bringing back the Christmas play, Fried Meat Christmas. So I start uh, rehearsing that uh, this week. So right when I ra- when I wrap the Mentalist on Thursday, I'll be working on the play. Now, do you enjoy the directing? Because it's something you've been directed so much, and you know, I mean, you, I mean, is it something? Or do you take in your encounters with crappy directors when you direct and make sure you're not that type of director? Yeah, I think that I had a lot of tough experiences with directors, and when I started doing it, I kind of knew what to avoid, and. Uh, at least I, I approached it like I'm an actor. I know how I would like to work. I know how I would like to communicate with the director and with the other actors. And I think that sort of gave me a heads up with uh, with directing. And I really enjoy it. I think it's made me a better actor, you know. I think I understand thing. I understand scenes more clearly now having looked at it from the other the other side than I did when I was acting in them. You know, you can get really tunnel visioned all about your thing, which you should. You should be focused on what you're doing as the actor, but to understand how it all plays has been really vital for me. And you keep plan to keep on directing. That's something you just want to do and you love. Yeah. I just won an award, so I guess I have to I have to keep doing it. Now what did you do? Was it was it a was it a statue or anything? Yeah, it's like a so, statue was an award ceremony. What, it, what, it wore a tux and everything. What are you gonna do with that? Where are you gonna put it? I got it in my house. It's just sitting there on the on the credenza there, you know. Isn't it weird? You get an award and it's great, but then you, you sort of like, you put it up and people are like, hey, you, put your, you put your own award <laughs> exactly, up? What's wrong? Yeah. You're like, what? I won a damn award. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know. So Here's the other thing. It's like this award I've won, but it like it says Guillermo Cienfuegos. It's not right. even my name. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you for coming on. We have to wrap up very soon. Um, how can people find out about your career, get in touch with you? I know besides, don't go to Wikipedia, people. Cause, yeah, you know, that's a loser. Because you know, if you go to Wikipedia, don't look at his. Look at Alex Fernandez, the, the baseball pitcher. <laughs> yeah, that's, that. that's right. Yeah. Um, now, IMDB, you can see all his credits, but now do you have a website or you know, said you tweet? Now, what's your yeah, Twitter? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at OwMyHead, okay. O-W-M-Y-H-E-A-D. Now, do you tweet a lot? Yeah, I'm on there quite a bit. And, and then, Alex Fernandez, I'm verified on Twitter, so you can find me pretty easy. Okay, cool. And the website or anything? Or how can people find out about your shows coming up? Uh, 
I, I try to keep I try to keep it up there on Twitter, so okay. that's the best way to find out. Well, great. Well, go people check them out. I want to thank you, Alex. Uh, people check them out on Twitter. Out. Wait, how do you spell it? Ow my head, like somebody hit you on the head. But how do you spell O W M Y H E A D? Okay, go check out Ow my head. Please check it out. Okay, and uh, also you can follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. I, I tweet a lot of stuff. I uh, got uh, favored by the Today Show producer today. Just uh-huh. something I wrote, which is no big deal. But I was like, that's cool. And uh, you know, you can also so follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. Also, send me an email, Cooper at CooperTalk.net, Cooper at CooperTalk.net, which you go to my website, CooperTalk.net. I have over 300 episodes. I'm posting them all the time. If you have a uh, Google uh, Android type thing, the Google, I think it's the Google, go to the Play Store, type in Cooper Talk, you can get my app for your phone or your uh, tablet, and I'm not on iTunes, but it's all right. My show's on iTunes, but you can't get my, an app. So go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio, it's Cooper Talk. So yeah, keep listening, send me an email, cooper at coopertalk.net, follow me at Cooper Talk, and yeah, we have a great week of shows coming up. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper, I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, Eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. It's time for me to go to get lunch. You have a great weekend.